from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 772, Azure Security Center with guest Yuri Diogenes, recorded Monday, March 15th, 2021. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. And my guest today is Yuri Dinojanez, a Master of Science in Cybersecurity Intelligence and Forensic Investigation and a Principal Program Manager for the Microsoft CXEASC team. Primarily, so it helps customers onboard and deploy Azure Security Center and Azure Defender. And he's been with Microsoft since 2006, including spending time in CSS Front Edge. So you've done some pain times too, sir. <laughs> yes. But, ex- <laughs> you know, security choice is always an interesting one. How tinfoil hat are you exactly? Uh, well, I've been around security since 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was still working at Dell Computers in the networking team at Dell oh, yeah. uh, in Round Rock in Texas. Uh, I'm still in Texas, but I was uh, in Round Rock. I moved to Dallas after uh, I left Dell. Uh, but that's where I started uh, in 2005. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, in, it's in security, right? But in computers, 1994. <laughs> very different. Yeah. Not exactly cloud security, which is a very different creature. And it's, I mean, the number of security conversations I'm having these days between Solar winds and the Hafnium breach, like, boy, it's a busy time in security right now. It is. And it is um, very scary to me to see that there is a lot of people that are still not taking secure hygiene so serious. Mm-hmm. They are so focused on threat detection that they don't do the homework on secure hygiene. That's what's really scary. Yeah. Just not, not thinking that way. And it's interesting to me, especially looking at like the Hafnium attack and even SolarWinds for that matter. We're not even hesitating to talk about state actors attacking company servers today. That's just a normal part of our conversation. Hey, the reality is there are countries out there that are after your data. And if you don't work at this, they're going to get it and there will be consequences. Yep, that's an open conversation for uh, quite some time. And it's interesting that when also talking about supply chain, we've been talking about supply chain security for a long time Mm -hmm. in in trying to evangelize on the importance of uh, have an end-to-end security, um, not only within your company, but supply chain aspect. And boom, it happened. Yeah. But we were in this conversation, I remember going to Blue Hat, probably 2016, uh, 17, 16, probably uh, there was still, we started having that conversation about supply chain. Yeah. These companies, and I guess, you you know, in in the context of SolarWinds, there are vendors that have access to your, you allow access to your systems effectively by taking their patches, by taking their updates. Do you have confidence that they're there, that those updates are safe? Yeah. And it's not only about uh, uh, the code, but even when we were talking about back in 2016 about supply chain, it was it was more a wake up call from the hardware perspective, mm-hmm. microchips and things like that. Uh, and now is in a different dimension because now it's just a patch from a piece of software 
that is running a computer. We were in a, in a more deeper level conversation uh, when it was just hardware, uh, more hardware updates. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is different now. And and I think it's one of the things that's made people maybe a little lackadaisical. Don't worry, I can get an update over the cloud. Like, it's not that expensive. It doesn't take that long. Whether you're the vendor needing to patch your product or the consumer expecting the product to be patched. Like, I think we've we've lowered the bar of entry for those things so low that folks are, are kind of taking it for granted that don't worry, this will be fixed. It'll be fine. Yeah. And, and they trust that the other side is doing their hygiene as well. Right. Yeah, I don't have to worry about being tidy because the others will be tidy for me. Uh, and and that's the, probably the time that we should be using that old saying, trust by verify. Yes, yeah, that is the class. That's co- straight Cold War commentary there, Gary. Co- yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're introducing someone to Azure Security Center, how do you explain it? What What is this about? If I have to explain um, Azure Security Center in a few words, I would say that is a cloud security posture management platform mm-hmm. um, that will give you visibility across your, uh, primarily across your Azure workloads, mm-hmm. but it can also expand to other cloud providers like AWS or GCP and even on-prem. So it gives you that uh, single pane of glass for your uh uh, workloads that you deploy in, in, in those environments. Interesting. In a single place, you can see uh, where you need to mitigate recommendations, what areas you can improve uh, your secure posture. So it's a very powerful, comprehensive tool. Nice. And most interesting, this whole piece of CSPM, Cloud Secure Posture Management, we give it for free. Really? So, I mean, yep. Security Center is anybody who's an Azure customer can have it. Period. Yes. You can enable Azure Security Center, the CSPM capability for free. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have all the security recommendations. You're going to have what we call the Azure Security Score, that you can use as a KPI to measure how you are improving your secure posture over time. All that is free. There is the paid version, which is Azure Defender, but the whole CSPM uh, idea you can utilize for free. Now, wait a second. You said Azure Defender. Isn't that the Windows malware product? Uh, no. So historically, and I've been working with Azure Security Center since it was created back in the day in 2015. Okay. We, had, we had this prototype called Codename ROM. And uh, I was part of the team that started to actually writing technical articles for the old TechNet uh, about Azure Security Center when we released GA in 2016. We used to have two tiers, the free tier and the standard tier. The standard tier was the paid version and it was about threat detection. Uh, Ignite last year, 2020, uh, we changed our strategy uh, and we basically renamed the standard tier to Azure Defender. So now the idea is that all the engineering uh, behind threat detection, we're going to call Defender. Okay. It's from the Azure Defender family. So you're going to have Azure Defender for servers. You're going to have Azure Defender for SQL. Azure Defender for storage, Azure Defender for Key Vault. Every single threat detection that you want to put on top of your main workload supported by uh, Azure Defender, you're going to have uh, to enable this plan to include the analytics that you need to have threat detection. Okay. Which, I mean, the, the Windows Defender, or maybe it's now at the moment called Microsoft Defender, is a malware tool. But that's only a class of the overall Defender concept then. Right, right. So the Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, which used to be called MDATP, Microsoft 
Defender uh, ATP, right? Uh, we renamed that also at Ignite last year. It's now called Microsoft Defender for Endpoint. Okay. And this is our EDR solution that you're going to have installed on your Windows 10 as an EDR solution, right? Azure Defender for Server, it gives you the MD as well for servers. So the advantage is that when you get the license uh, for Azure Defender for Server, you get the EDR as part of this package as okay. well for server, not for client. Yeah, because the the client product was has always been free as well. So it is a the bloody naming is hard, isn't it? Like I I get the intent yeah. here, but it's also a bunch of different products that folks have got to get their heads around. Yeah, the the way that I like to uh, explain this is is really around the the workloads. Mm-hmm. The advantage of having segmented the way we did is that you are targeting a specific workload because if you think about the threat landscape for a Kubernetes is not necessarily the same as the storage account. It's not the same as a key vault. So we need specific analytics that were built for that particular workload so we can understand and we can detect uh, threat actors for that specific scenario. So as you defend the four key vaults, okay, I know that it's going to give me analytics that are relevant for threat actors that are trying to compromise my key vault. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and super useful. Right. And I want, mm-hmm. I really don't want anybody going after my key vault. That makes me up. That would upset me. That's not good. Yeah. Those are, those are important things. And so what parts are paid? What falls in defender is the paid product versus security center, the free product. So there are two major pillars, uh, CSPM cloud security posture management, which is uh, all part of Azure security center. And then we have what they call the cloud workload protection platform, mm-hmm. CWPP. And those are Gartner uh, names, uh, pillars that uh, Gartner came up with, right? right? CSPM and CWPP. So everything that is cloud workload protection platform uh, is part of the Azure Defender family. Um, threat detections for servers, threat detections for Kubernetes, for container registry, for uh, storage, for SQL. That's what we we have. And we currently have two major uh, ones, which is the Azure Defender for DNS and Azure Defender for ARM, Azure Resource Manager. Interesting. So, so that's very powerful. Right now, they are in public preview, so it's, uh, there is no pricing tag. You can just enable and try it out. But the Azure Defender for ARM is very powerful because you can actually see if there are threat actors trying to compromise your environment by making calls to the ARM, to the Azure Resource Manager layer. Yeah, no, that, that's very serious. And, and DNS as a whole, like, I mean... I think DNS is still shaking off the happy-go-lucky, safe, plain text world of the internet. It's never been as secure as it as its role is in our organizations. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, attack vectors uh, t- uh, taking advantage of DNS. Now, our Azure for DNS, uh, Azure Defender for DNS mm-hmm. plan right now is only for customers that are using Azure DNS. Right. So if you have your own DNS service installed on your machine, we don't have threat detections for that right. yet. We we have only for Azure DNS. Yeah, I, I, I find myself having a mix where I am using Azure DNS in some places for typically new products that I've set up in the cloud from the outset. Uh, you might as well. And there and there are certain things, and I'm thinking about Let's Encrypt, that life was way easier if it was running with Azure DNS mm-hmm. and, and Azure Functions where uh, it's hard to move 
domains around you know different DNS hosts. So often we stick with the old host yeah. uh, rather than than have that moved. But it's certainly a, a significant vulnerability. But yeah, I mean, we could just talk about the vulnerability side all along here. I'm interested in this idea that I can insert security provisions around the line of business apps I've migrated to the cloud. Because uh, I think we've had a year of of apps being pushed up to the cloud rather abruptly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of them were written with, I'm inside the company perimeter in mind. Yeah. So can you talk a bit about how Security Center helps me with my apps? Yeah, we do have Azure Defender for App Services, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, will give you also uh, visibility uh, for um, the apps that are using app services. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you are in the traditional environment that you have a VM with an app running on the VM, then it's a different thing, right? Because it's an IAS type of uh, implementation. Right. And the Azure Defender for App Services is more a PaaS uh, environment. Right, so we have platform. the platform. Right. We have the detection for this and for the past, not really for apps running on the machine. What we do have that can give you a little bit more visibility about vulnerabilities that are running on that machine is uh, the vulnerability assessment capability. Right. So we do vulnerability assessment uh, in VMs. Uh, right now, we are partnering with Qualys. So our engine is basically Qualys engine mm-hmm. when we do the vulnerability assessment. And we, you don't need to have an extra license for Qualys. It comes with Azure Defender uh, right. for server. I get that and email every week, red, yellow, and green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so everything is, uh, it comes in a recommendation where we say, look, there are vulnerabilities on your VM that you need to remediate. Mm-hmm. And you can just review those uh, uh, vulnerabilities and start uh, working on the remediation process. Yeah, put some cycles into it. You can't say you didn't warn us, right? Like at yeah. least... Hey, this is a known vulnerability. Here are some mitigation options. Like at least, not that it's trivial to do, but that you can start working down the path of how to how to patch those up better. And those things will influence the secure score because what happens is if customers they are utilizing the secure score as a way to measure their progress on this journey to be more secure, mm-hmm. to actually enhance their secure posture. They they want the secure score to keep going up. Right. Right. Everybody asks me, you what is really the perfect secure score? And I would say it's 100 <laughs> percent That's when you are all <laughs> that's when you are all green. There is no reason for you to see a recommendation to remediate something and you just sit there and don't do it. Of course, there are business reasons. I understand. What my point is, and this I always like to do uh, this comparison is Azure Secure Center is a free uh, product. Right. It's almost like the alarm system of your house that is going to give you the visibility of which doors are open. Mm-hmm. So if I ask you, there are three alarms blinking red on your panel saying there are three doors open. If you close two doors and you leave one open, are you more secure? I mean, are you going to really leave one door open knowing that it's, it's open in your house? Probably yeah. not. Well, depends, I guess that at least I know that door is open and if I've kept it open for a reason and the consequences are on me effectively. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to assume the risk? If you are going to assume the risk, then that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But 
you have the visibility that the door is open and you need to have you need to have an action plan in place yeah okay someone can actually exploit that door what should i do at that point and that's when it comes threat detection because the way we see secure posture is is three major pillars right we have uh, prevention detection and response right so the prevention is the homework what you need to do prior to being compromised or to at least increase the likelihood that you will not be compromised but yeah. using the assumed breach mindset at some point you may be compromised now sure. you're gonna have to have detection and that's where azure defender comes in to give you the analytics that you need to detect are compromised now right and we have built-in capabilities in the azure defender as well to uh, automate response so for okay. example if i see an alert that says that i'm under rdp brute force attack i can trigger a series of, of actions right starting with turning off rdp access <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you're going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As is brought to you by SQL Intersection back at the Swan Hotel in Orlando, June 6th to 10th. You've heard the SQL Q&A shows we publish on Run As twice a year from SQL Intersection. That is a microcosm of the five days of awesome learning available to you from the real-world consultants and members of the SQL Server team that speak at the show. Learn proven problem-solving techniques and technologies you can implement immediately, as well as insight into the future of SQL Server. Get answers to performance monitoring, troubleshooting, designing for scale and performance, working in the cloud, and exploring all the new features of the latest version of SQL Server. And if you still have questions by the end of the week, join the closing session of SQL Intersection and be part of the SQL Q&A show on Run As Radio. SQL Intersection is at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando, Florida, June 6th to 10th. Use code RUNAS to get a discount on your registration at SQLintersection.com, and I'll see you there. And we're back. It's RUNAS Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Yuri Diagenes. Yes. Greek word. Doing my best. Uh, specializing security. Talking about Azure Security Center and Azure Defender. Uh, you use the term cloud security hygiene. Let's talk about what that really means. Like security hygiene, I think it's one of those terms that's broad enough that a lot of people have interpretations of it. So think about uh, there are uh, customers that are moving to the clouds. They are still either trying to use secure controls uh, from the old on-premise uh, mm -hmm. that they are used to have. And sometimes they are not mature enough to talk even about governance uh, in their cloud workloads, which sure. means that they are probably provisioning workloads that are not secure right how do you have the visibility that you need to have to say look you just provision a storage account that is fully visible for the internet i can just access right, right. uh how do you know if someone actually enable rdp and that vm now is open to the internet you need to have that visibility mm -hmm. and having the visibility will allow you to take actions to remediate secure configuration that should be in place in the first place. So secure hygiene is not only about the visibility, but also the remediation, uh, the application of secure best practices to close, to harden the environment. Mm -hmm. You're talking about basic hardening here. Well, yeah, we, we've had a lot of conversations about hardening that often end up just talking about MFA, but that's not a hardening the infrastructure, that's hard, it's just hardening authorization. Yeah, the, the security center will give you also recommendations say you should enable MFA, but that's just a piece of it. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and that's the beauty about uh, some of the old concepts. You probably remember the old concept of uh, defense in depth. We right. still we still use to this day, and actually probably more than ever, because now there is not really that sense of multi layers like in the past. We have the firewall, and that was our first line of defense. You mm -hmm. have DMZ. Well, no, no, no. Now, as if I compromise your identity, I'm in. Yeah. So you need to have multi layers of defense within each workload. And so even if they get through a layer, it, that doesn't just simply give them the keys to the castle and they're off and running anywhere they want to go. Exactly. So it, it is a granulization. So you're saying these recommendations, I mean, they get to that point, it says, hey, this account has too much privilege. Like you shouldn't, you know, maybe you can degrade this account. How granular can we get here? Uh, we will have recommendations, for example, that will say you have too many uh, uh, users with admin privilege on your subscription, or right. you have too many users as owner of the subscription. Or, for example, you have accounts that are disabled, but they still have privilege to the subscription. Hmm. Interesting. Right? So why you have a disabled account that still owns this, has still, has still has ownership privilege on the subscription? But yet the we bring awareness that. about that. That's really interesting. Yeah, there's no need to have that. Well, I also wonder that. if we couldn't have like, all right, I want to really get into this just enough administration model where, yeah, we have one super user account that's nobody's per se. It's a break glass account. You know, and I really want to get templates in place so that we know what break glass means and how people use it, how it's logged and reported, or even any of these administrator accounts that they are configured in a way that makes them, I don't want to say unpleasant to use, but <laughs> effectively heavily monitored. So that you only do the work activity in that uh, raised privilege that you're supposed to do. And then you get out and back to regular domain accounts. Yeah. And uh, we, we encourage a lot of our uh, customers to use uh, the privilege access workstation model mm -hmm. to do something like that. A PAL model right. uh, to, to implement some of those concepts. Uh, but in Azure Security Center, uh, we give the visibility at least from the Azure uh, AD perspective. If you right. are you have too, too much uh, uh, accounts in the subscription ownership about MFA, so we do have a set of identity related uh, recommendations as well. Excellent, and, and that's you know that's, I think it's part of that sort of narrative of how we get from the kind of default security we had coming into our digital transformation and migration in the cloud into what the new tools can give us and actually help us to do the right things to be far more secure. And that's where uh, organizations that are more mature, they usually are the ones that will see a steady growth of their security score. Right. Because what happened is they have enough guardrails in the beginning of the pipeline to prohibit people to provision things that are not secure by right. default. So they will use Azure Security Center lessons learned, say, oh, all those recommendations here, why not implementing those in the beginning of the pipeline yeah. to avoid people to even provision that? Yeah. So now their security score is growing uh, exponentially and it will not drop because they right. have those guardrails. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You, you could yeah. absolutely have this going down if you're bringing new workloads in that haven't been secured. Yep, it does. Uh, and actually, a lot. <laughs> and customers ask, <laughs> hey, my security score was 80% uh, two weeks ago. Now is 50. What happened? I said, well, that's you just show that you don't have guardrail in place right. to avoid the deployment of uh, workloads that are not secure. Yeah, things are coming in with, with bad security hygiene and, and lowering the overall score. So 
it, you know, there's a definitely an impetus here to your onboarding strategies have to be applying security. And the challenge for the most part is sometimes that the team that manage security center, mm -hmm. sometimes it's not the same team that does the Azure governance. Right. So they have to talk to each other and sometimes there is a challenge there to make mm -hmm. it happen. Yeah, as well as the uh, folks that are doing the onboarding, like are you plugged mm -hmm. into the governance model? Make sure you're, you know, I think governance after the fact is harder. It, you know, after a certain point, like I kind of buy into this idea at the beginning of your cloud migration, things are going to be a bit looser. Right. But after you're committed, like you've sort of shown a way forward, you're better to not be bringing something in until it's secure rather than bring it in and secure it. What I noticed, I fully agree with you, but what I noticed sometimes, uh, at least from the experience of where customers are not able to do good governance is because there is still not uh, a lot of sponsorship from upper management to say, hey, if you do not block this uh, from being provisioned if it is not using uh, the secure best practice. I really don't care if it's going to break your application or not. Right. right. There are not really a lot of upper management that you say that firmly because yeah. they're like, no, no, we need to make that app work. So just let it go. The only metric they have is it's got to be in the cloud, not that it has to be in the cloud well. Right. Right. So it's really this, you're better not moving then moving into a way that will make you less secure, make us all less secure. I, yeah, I think that's harder doctrine because it is easier to measure. Like, we got it in the cloud, we're good. And that's not necessarily true. I mean, I don't know how much flack you take for this, Yuri, but I think there's a lot of folks out there. It's like, as long as you get this moved in the cloud, then it's Microsoft's responsibility to keep me secure. Cloud is a shared responsibility. Uh, even... Of course, it depends on the cloud model IS. IS is more around customer responsibility mm -hmm. for the VM, for the patch and everything. PaaS is more on the cloud provider, but there is still aspects of the PaaS that are uh, customers' uh, responsibility. Sure. If you are, for example, developing a PaaS application, but you your code is not secure, well, that on, that's on you because yeah. you didn't develop secure code. Yeah, and, in, and of course, identity is always ultimately in the hands of the people who own it. Yeah. And so there's no way around that. Um, when you're talking about threat detection, I mean, again, I, I, I think so much about how do folks get exploits into my apps in the cloud? I mean, I must be vulnerabilities I'm introducing because I think there's a presumption there's no attack surface from on the Microsoft side of Azure. That, they, that We don't have to worry about that. This is bad configuration by us in an app service or in a VM. For the most part, it's uh, some sort of uh, problem in the configuration itself. Right. Uh, for example, when you configure a function app, you didn't enable so, uh, some settings that mm -hmm. could uh, have been used to avoid that exploitation in the first place. Um, so for the most part, it's configuration related. Right. Um, when we, but we bring awareness about this on the security center recommendations as well. Yeah. Um, we, we have that. The other thing that is important to touch, and I think SolarGate and other uh, help to bring awareness about this is logging. Yeah. If you don't have good logging strategy, you will not even be able to see what's happening. Yeah. And uh, we, in Security Center, we have recommendations specifically for increasing the logging level of, of different workloads, enabling, because they are not enabled by default, right? For example, storage account, 
if you really wanted to see what's going on, you should enable the logging. Right. Um, so logging is very, very important. And but it also costs money. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons it's off by that's default. That's why it's not enabled by default yeah, because right. they want to give you the option to enable. Yeah. Right. But but it's also, you know, you're being honest enough not to try and spend my money for me. Mm-hmm. Because at least say you should do this. Admittedly, it costs money, but it will help keep you safe. Yeah. And it will help you investigation forensics. It will yeah. help a lot. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Some some uh, people might get compromised and they don't have an audit trail to go back and see what was affected. Yeah. And, uh, and then really not know any, have any way to know if you have been exploited or not. Uh, although, the, yeah, this whole idea of threat detection, like how does that notification even work? Is it just the emails that I'm getting from from Azure Security Center? So um, for the past services, we are all agent-less. We don't need an agent running because it's a past platform. For example, Azure Defender for ARM, there is no no agent. The only one that has an agent is the Azure Defender for Server because it's a VM. Right. Once we identify and we... We identify this on our back end because we collect the, the necessary information. We mm-hmm. trigger an alert, and this alert goes to the dashboard, to the Azure Defender Dashboard Secure Alert. Okay. So um, you can see that in the dashboard itself. But if you have a SIM uh, in your environment, like Azure Sentinel or Splunk or QRadar, whatever SIM you have, you can stream those alerts to your SIM, which is usually what happens, right? Because there is a, a SOC that will be monitoring right. those alerts and those alerts will be streamed from Azure Defender to the SIM platform. So it's not only about the email that you may receive, but it's also about how is your SOC utilizing those alerts? Yeah. You Where probably have an IR process in place for when you receive an alert, you're going to take an action. And you see that SOCs for the most part are trying to drive even the cloud instrumentation down to their existing infrastructure or are folks adopting the cloud dashboards? It depends. Uh, yeah. Depends on the level of investment that the customer already has mm-hmm. on their on-prem solution. What I've seen a lot happening is there are uh, many customers that they are actually keeping a hybrid uh, environment where they want to preserve the scene that they have on-prem, but they want to use Azure Sentinel to be their cloud-based logging platform. So everything goes to Sentinel. Everything that is cloud-related goes to Sentinel. Right. And only what is interesting to them, they will send back to, to on-prem. Uh, so that's a very common scenario, actually. And mainly because Sentinel has a lot of connectors to Microsoft uh, services like Azure Defender, um, Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, Office 365, and many of those connectors is data ingestion is free. But this also leads us to that whole conversation around you could be using Security Center to the, your on-prem services as well. How does that work? Because I kind of feel like you're schisming once you're starting to play Sentinel and it's still having another set of dashboards somewhere else. You kind of want them all to be in one place. So uh, it's, it's great that you touch on this point because there's a lot of uh, uh, people that ask, well, why do I need to defend if I already have Sentinel? So mm-hmm. the, first of all, there are two different scenarios, right? Azure Sentinel is a SIM. Right. Azure Defender is a cloud workload protection platform, which means that our threat intelligence is actually leveraged by Sentinel. Sentinel will ingest the alerts generated by Azure Defender. Okay. All, all the threat intelligence comes from Defender because we have the analytics for each workload. Right. Okay. On the case of monitoring on-prem servers, what we do is you install the log analytics agent on that server. Okay. And at that point on, 
that agent will send enough information to the workspace managed by uh, Azure Security Center, and then we're going to start building potential alerts and recommendations uh, based on that data. Now, we recently enhanced this uh, architecture by leveraging Azure Arc. So now if you have Azure Arc, for example, it will be much easier to onboard because you can install Azure Arc on your on-prem or in, in a server in a different cloud provider. Let's say you have a couple of servers or 10 servers in AWS and you install Azure Arc on those servers. Those servers you can do, you can use the, first of all, you can use the AWS connector from Secure Center to obtain the necessary information from your workload in AWS and you onboard uh, those servers as well. I mean, you, you still have to install the login use agent, but the onboarding process is much easier and Azure ARP, opens up a lot of opportunities because we have more data to analyze, which hmm. means that we're going to have richer uh, threat detection. Yeah, it's just a lot of acronyms and products here, right? Like, you keep saying easier, Yuri, and I'm thinking like, wow, no, that's more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. Although it does seem like a progression. I mean, it, it is start with Azure Security Center, turn that on. Yeah, step number one, as soon as you have a new subscription, turn on uh, Azure Security Center, uh, activate mm -hmm. Azure, Azure Security Center free. Leave it there. Let Azure Security Center know the environment, run uh, the, the the assessment, and then look at your secure score right. and look the recommendations, and uh, start utilizing uh, that recommendation to improve. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and then if you are interested in having threat detection, let's say you've done all the homework, now you are 90% on your security score and you're like, okay, now I would like to try out this Azure Defender thing. You can upgrade to Azure Defender right. and it's going to be free for 30 days. That way you can do a, a proof of concept uh, for some scenarios and see if it is worth. Right. If it is worth, I always recommend people to do a, a POC for 20 days, 20 to 25 days. That way you have a gap of five more days to evaluate if it is worth to keep it or not. If it, if you think it's not, then you go back to free and right. no no price, but, uh, no no bill. But defender, but and defender is not a sim, like not a security incident event management no, tool. No, it's not a sim. It's, it's a cloud workload protection platform. Right. If you want a sim, then you're looking at Azure Sentinel. That's correct. So it yes. seems to me it's like first I did my cleanup with Azure Security Center. Then I turn on Defender to do threat detection, and maybe I saw some threats go through, and then you've got to kind of work on your mitigations and, and so forth and coordinate all that. That's when it, you sort of see that a SIM is useful, that I, if I had a place to manage events from. You can do uh, workflow automations of those alerts in Security Center or slash Defender. Right. But if you are looking to a, a platform that we will aggregate not only the alerts coming from Azure Defender, but also uh, logs coming from your firewall, right. logs coming from Azure AD, logs coming from Microsoft Defender for Endpoint. You know, that's when you're going to use Sentinel because you have this data aggregator, uh, which will be Sentinel. And right. from there, you can do instant management. Right, and go a step further. And then when does Arc come into play? Arc coming to play when you need to have visibility of servers that are not in Azure, right? right? So let's say you have servers in GCP, you have servers in AWS, or you have servers on-prem, 
and you need to do, let's say, vulnerability uh, assessment for those servers. You need mm-hmm. to have Azure Arc in place so you can do vulnerability assessment cuts across for all those things. servers. All right. I, mean, we, I, I like this because it's a sequence of narratives and it also sees a sequence of sophistication as we move down the path to mm-hmm. increase to what the cloud can do for us on all of these things and, and pick up more of the platform pieces. Uh, any place you would send folks to learn more? Are you making a video series around this? Yeah, uh, I have the Azure Security Center in the field mm-hmm. uh, show at Microsoft Security Channel, aka.ms forward slash ASC in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bi-weekly show where I interview the engineers, uh, developers, uh, and give updates uh, about uh, what we release and what is coming because mm-hmm. to be honest, every month we are releasing something, even if it no, is a small change, but are very impactful. So I have a lot of material for every two weeks to uh, update uh, customers with. Awesome. Now, if you are trying to ramp up on Azure Security Center slash Azure Defender, uh, we put together a training roadmap, which we call the Azure Security Center Ninja Training. Um, so you can access aka.ms for slash ASC Ninja. And there you're going to have uh, a roadmap from level 100 to level 400. So you know, eight modules that you can go through and learn more about it. Nice. Yuri, thanks so much for coming on the show and explaining all this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.